We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6. If you would find uh, that place in your Bible, please, Isaiah chapter 6. Um, if you are new to church, to the Bible, to the Christian faith, um, you might not know what's in Isaiah 6. That's okay. We're going to give you a, a sampling of that today. For those of you who know much about the Bible, you're already thinking, that's one of my favorite chapters. Yeah. Isaiah, yeah, got one, got a, got a yeah down here. So Isaiah 6 is one of those well-known chapters in the Bible because it is a description of the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. The basis of the song that we heard this morning and sang this morning. But it's also well known because of the famous missionary call and response. The Lord says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah the prophet responds, here I am, send me. Now, we're going to come back to that next week. As I studied this week, and I know I'm supposed to keep pace so that we're going to finish the book of Isaiah sometime in the next 10 years. I understand that. But as I studied this week, I, I realized that some of this, it's going to be a two-parter. It's going to have to be in two parts, Isaiah said. It's going to have to be. So we're going to come to that next week. More about the holy, 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 and more about Isaiah saying, here am I, send me. <clears throat> but Isaiah 6 is instructive in another way, which is where we're going to be today, because it provides a contrast. Actually, it provides two contrasts. One contrast is related to the fact that there's one and only sovereign king. And the other contrast is related to the reality that there's only one and only true response to the sovereign king. So to see this, Isaiah references what we'll read, and that is the year that King Uzziah died. Israel and Judah were familiar with King Uzziah. And so the very mention of his name, which is basically all we get and that he died in Isaiah 6, but the very mention of his name would have in their mind set the context <clears throat> and maybe even heightened the contrast that we're going to see today. But we are maybe not as familiar with King Uzziah as they were. And so for that reason, we're, we're pausing after this first verse. We'll look at a few other verses, but we'll, we'll pause. So as I said, we're going to take Isaiah 6 in two weeks. Next week, the vision of the Lord, Isaiah's experience before the Lord, Isaiah's call and response. But today, we're going to focus on King Uzziah and the contrast that he brings to light in who the sovereign king is and our response to him. So if you'll stand with me in honor of God's word. And I'm going to read the first five verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, 
for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is God's Word. You may be seated. So in verses 1 through 5, we're introduced to two kings. Verse 1, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Verse 5, the Lord who is the king. Now, Uzziah is mentioned by name, he's mentioned by rank, and he's mentioned by death. The Lord is ascribed sovereignty. Sovereignty of rule and perfection of personhood in the best of human language and yet still inadequate to capture all of who he is. And that's the first contrast that we see. It's the contrast of two kings between King Uzziah and the Lord. Uzziah has a history. We read about it in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. I want to encourage you to go home today and read that chapter. It's a, it's a wonderful chapter that will give you more insight into what we're going to talk about today, but there is his history. We'll touch on it. Read it today. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Uzziah was the king in Judah. That's the southern half of all of God's people. The northern half was called Israel. The southern half was called Judah. And he reigned in Jerusalem. And he reigned from approximately 792 to 740 B.C. Uzziah was a human. And he was considered to be human by the people of Judah and the people of Israel, which means he was not considered to be divine like some of the pagan kings were. Uzziah was human. And that's important to understand because there are so many things in the instruction of God for his kings to remind his kings that they're human and they're not divine. As a human king, Uzziah had a mixed record of obedience. He was not particularly bad. Some of the kings were much worse than he. In fact, he started out doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord for much of his reign. But as we'll see, he eventually acted out of pride and he sinned against the Lord. Uzziah was a human. He was a human king, an earthly king. And as such, Uzziah had a limited function. Also very important for where this is going. He had a limited function. He was a king. He was not a priest. He had political authority. He did not have spiritual authority. He had spiritual influence. If Uzziah would have simply obeyed the Lord, that would have been his influence. But he did not have priestly duties. He did not have authority in worship and in teaching. It's important. Uzziah served a limited time. 52 years was his reign. And then Isaiah gives us in a very short phrase, Uzziah died. The year was 740 B.C. Now, on human leadership. Human leadership is and can be very good. God establishes human leadership. God appoints leaders. But leaders are not 
God. And they should never attempt to take God's place, nor should anyone ever treat them as if they should take the Lord's place and are above His word. And when people treat them that way, or when they try to act that way, Isaiah 5 has already told us what will happen. Man is humbled. And Isaiah 2 has already told us what to do about that. Stop regarding man. Words like human, mixed record, limited, and died are enough to remind us of the place of human leaders and all humans. Now the contrast, the Lord. Isaiah sees the Lord on a throne. What does it say, verse 1? He is high and lifted up. The hem of his robe is filling the temple. Beautiful language, so descriptive. The glory of the Lord is filling the whole earth. Heavenly beings are declaring His holiness. A declaration that shook the very foundations. Earthly human language doing its best to be employed to describe the vision of the eternal God with unlimited rule and sovereignty in heaven and on earth above all yet filling it all with a dominion that is forever and no mixture in him in his person or in his ways he is all and absolutely and purely holy and he is alive there's a contrast He's alive. The contrast is so intentional. It, we, we cannot mistake what is happening here. Isaiah is a literary masterpiece. The life of Uzziah is a mere breath and eventually leads to death. It is juxtaposed to the eternal sovereign reign of this one who is described in the loftiest of language, pressing it to the end, holy, holy, holy. All designed to let us know that there's one true king, there's one Lord of hosts, and that is God. And so we are meant, I believe that Isaiah meant for us to stop and consider and to start asking ourselves some questions. In whom do we place our hope? Where is our trust? Where is our allegiance? Now, even if we would never, ever say that someone or something is in the place of God, if we would never say that, the question still comes, who do we practically and functionally view and treat as if they are God? Does anyone even ourselves, does anyone loom larger in our minds than the Lord God who reigns as king? It's a very important question for us to ask if we're ever going to find God, see God, and be faithful to God. We have to ask who, what is looming larger in our minds than the king, the Lord God? Christian in church, there is 
no king but the Lord. There is no God but the Lord. The Lord told us from the beginning we should have no other God before him. And we say, oh, we never, we never violate that command because we don't make little figurines in the Christian faith. No, but we set up in our minds so many others that reign as king. You shall have no other God before me, the Lord said. Friend, there is no Savior but the Lord. None, only the Lord saves. Everyone, all, will come to the same end. We will all die. And everyone in your mind, set up above the kingship of God in your mind, will die. This is the year that King Uzziah died. It's not morbid, and it is not mean to say this. It is not. It is a fundamental reality that must be understood in all of its implications so that we will, as Isaiah said to do, stop regarding man, and we will, as the Lord is telling us to do, trust in him. The haughtiness of man will be humbled. And the holiness of God will be exalted. So trust and obey the Lord. Practically, functionally. Do you pray? Really? In time and space, do you pray? Say, no, I don't pray. Well, then the question is, who else are you trusting? Practically, functionally, are we praying? Are we obeying? Are we listening? Are we heeding? We have a word. Practically, functionally, are we remembering that the Lord God reigns? He alone is king. Are we living by faith? Are we ordering our lives according to his will and his ways? Are we acknowledging him in all of our ways? All of us are going to stand before this king. Uzziah is before him, we'll see. Isaiah was before him. All of us are going to stand before this king. The question is how? There's one king. That leads us to the second contrast because in Isaiah 6, we actually come across two men. And they too are found in contrast. It's the contrast between Uzziah and Isaiah. I would put it this way. The contrast is between Uzziah and who entered the temple and said, look at me. And Isaiah, who entered the temple and said, woe is me. Uzziah's story again, 2 Chronicles chapter 26. As a king, Uzziah had a role in the life of Israel and Judah. But remember we've already said he was not a priest. And he was not to assume the role of a priest. Uzziah was not to enter the temple to offer sacrifices. He was not to lead in worship. The book of Exodus, the book of Numbers, they tell them very specifically, only the consecrated priests could do this. So even though Uzziah was the king, he still had to obey God. Uzziah began well. Second Chronicles tells us he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He sought the Lord, and the Lord made him prosper. He prospered militarily, politically, economically, and the, the text actually says, Second Chronicles actually t- says, 
he grew strong, which is important because his actual name means my, our strength is from the Lord. But, 2 Chronicles 26, 16, when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord. He forgot his king. He was the king, but he forgot the king. Look at the progression. He grew strong. He grew proud. He became unfaithful to his destruction. This is what happens to us when we forget who's king. It's what happens to us when we set others before the king. At the height of Uzziah's prosperity and strength, there was the height of his pride. This is what he did. He entered into the temple and he tried to offer incense on the altar of incense, which is exactly what only the priests were supposed to do. And he couldn't do, even though he was the king. He entered the temple and he said, in effect, I am the king, and I will do as I choose. In effect, he was saying, I will put myself above the word of the Lord. This is not an ignorant thing he did. It is a willful thing that he did. He knew the command, but he did it anyway. Uzziah, in his growing pride, decreased in his fear of the Lord. He decreased in his love of God's word and God's ways, and he sinned. And what's the, the irony is his greatest positive spiritual influence upon the, upon the people, if that's what he was really after, his greatest positive spiritual influence would have simply been to humbly obey God. Just do what the Lord said to do. And there's your spiritual influence, which tells us he wasn't after spiritual influence. He was driven by pride. He wanted to take over. When Uzziah entered the temple to offer that incense that was forbidden, a priest named Azariah, along with 80 other priests, went in after him. <laughs> and they stood against him. And they warned him and they rebuked him rebuked him and they said don't do this thing this will not result in the blessing of God because they knew who the king was and they knew it wasn't Uzziah and then the text tells us that Uzziah in his pride was angry so the Lord struck him with leprosy and he spent the rest of his days in isolation until he died. For the rest of his days, Uzziah was considered, a very important word in the text of Isaiah 6, he was considered unclean. This was the law in Leviticus 13. He was considered unclean. Very important for us to understand. And that's the story of King Uzziah. And as Isaiah says it, he died. Well, we contrast him with Isaiah himself, the prophet. 
And we go back to verse 1. He saw the Lord. Verse 3, he saw the Lord as holy, holy, holy. Verse 5, he saw the Lord as the king. And then, verse 5, he saw himself as unclean. Before the Lord, Isaiah said the opposite of Uzziah. He said, woe is me. I am unclean, I am undone, I am unable to stand here. Now again, we are meant to stop. We are meant to stop and to consider. This response, woe is me, this response is appropriate. I just have to stress this. The response of woe is me, I am unclean, I have unclean lips, I live among people with unclean lips, is a very appropriate and good and right response. Please don't try to talk Isaiah out of this response. Don't say in your mind, Isaiah, you're not that bad. Don't do that. And don't try to distract yourself out of this same response. Let it be. Don't even let the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ, which cleanses you of your sin, lead you to think that you never again have to think about your undoneness and your uncleanness before God. It is important that you remember this. The Apostle Paul did. He went after Christians. He persecuted the church before he saw the vision of the Holy One calling him. And he never forgot what he was. He always remembered, I was. He told his testimony. He wrote down his testimony in the New Testament. I was a persecutor of the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Let it land. The cross of Jesus Christ means nothing to us. It, it means very little to us unless we truly remember where we would be without that cross. This is not poor self-esteem. It is not. It is proper self-esteem before the God who is esteemed as holy, holy, holy. This is true humility. And true humility is what characterizes those who eventually find cleansing from the Lord. We'll see more of this next week, but the Lord himself. When Isaiah said this, woe is me, I'm lost, I'm undone, I have unclean lips. When he said this, the text goes on to say, the Lord himself sent from his own altar, a burning coal to purify Isaiah. What grace, what grace this is. And it's the posture of humility before the Lord that enables us to receive this beautiful grace of God to cleanse us from our sin. What a contrast between Uzziah and Isaiah. Now the unfolding of the scripture gives light we've been repeating this theme because we're in Isaiah we're in an Old Testament book that many people think oh that doesn't apply to us anymore that's we're in the New Testament day or that was so long ago is you know 700 plus years ago when all this went down and and or 
Yeah, 700 plus, let's say 1,000 or seven, 700 plus years ago when all this went down and it just doesn't relate to us anymore. But remember, the unfolding, the unfolding of God's word brings light. As, as scripture unfolds, as the history of God's redemptive plan carried out unfolds, we get more and more light. We see more and more the character that is being talked about in these passages until we come to see one who came and interestingly brought together both humility and kingship. We see that this one was sent from God and he's given a name. So we come to the book of Matthew. We're, we're, we're unfolding. We've gotten with Isaiah the rest of the prophets, and we open up later in the book of Matthew, we unfold it. And there we read in the second chapter that a, a baby born was given the name Jesus. And he brings together humility and kingship. In humility, he had a human birth as a king. It says this in Matthew 2, in the days of Herod the king. I mean, Isaiah 6, in the day that Uzziah died. Matthew 2, in the days of Herod the king, wise men came from Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? This is Isaiah 6. And when they saw him, when these wise men from the east, when they saw the one born king of the Jews, the baby born in humility, Jesus, it says, they saw him and they worshiped him. Matthew 21, after a three-year ministry, just a week or so before Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus himself entered into Jerusalem to the sound of voices quoting the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. And listen to what they say. Behold your king. Your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey. And then a few chapters later, Matthew 27. It's King Jesus now who's been rejected who's been arrested, who's made to stand before a human governor like Uzziah with a limited reign, a limited lifespan. He's standing before a human governor named Pilate. And there he stands in humility, willingly. And Pilate stands over him and says, are you the king of the Jews and Jesus said you have said so meaning it is as you say and then they took the king and they crucified him but even then it unfolds because on the third day after his crucifixion he was raised from the dead and we come to the New Testament that bears witness that this one who is king humbled himself, being born of a man, being found in human form. The one who rode in on a donkey, the one who let himself be handed over to Pilate, the one who willingly offered himself up 
in obedience, in humility to death, even death on a cross, is the one who paid for our sins. And what comes from his death for our sins? Cleansing. Isaiah, I'm a man of unclean lips, and the Lord says, with this coal you have been cleansed. Uzziah, a man of pride, given leprosy in isolation for the rest of his life, Jesus in the New Testament going up to lepers and touching them and cleansing them of their disease and cleansing their soul of the soul disease of sin and of pride. This is King Jesus. So, Isaiah 6, one of the most famous chapters in all the Bible, tells us there's one king. One. And as the Bible unfolds, we learn that he has a name, and it's Jesus. And Isaiah tells us that there's only one real response to this king, before this king who is holy. There's only one, only one response before him. Only one beginning place before the king, and that is humility. Humility. We cannot, we will not be saved without humbling ourselves before this king. But if we do, Isaiah tells us, and Matthew tells us, and all the Bible tells us from Genesis to Revelation that we will be made clean. I pray that you will today.